we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 17th, 2014. Next report, continuing with the last, this Tony Palmer guy, the guy that uh, was the absolute catalyst liaison go-between between Robeson, Copeland, and the Pope, evidently, um, in the, he's died in a motorcycle crash. Now, I've seen a little bit of conflicting news about this, but all of the reports, most of them are all saying that this, um, he died. Bishop Tony Palmer, and this is from Lighthouse News Network, they, I know they vet things very well, typically. Tony Bishop Tony Palmer, a charismatic preacher, Catholic, charismatic Catholic preacher, really, who used a cell phone camera to record Pope Francis's I- issuing an appeal for Christian unity between Catholics and Evangelicals, died Sunday, July 20th, after a motorcycle crash in the United Kingdom. Maybe he had borrowed one of Kenneth Copeland's uh, Harleys, his hogs, as they're uh, referred to, and I don't know. Uh, you know, he died in a motorcycle crash. Uh, in January, Palmer held a smartphone that recorded Pope Francis calling on all Christians to set aside their differences. Palmer, a bishop and international ecumenical officer with the Independent Communion of Evangelical Episcopal Churches, also helped coordinate the Pope's meetings with the televangelists in June. In the video, Pope Francis referred to Palmer as my brother, a bishop brother, saying that they had been friends for years. Born in the UK and raised partly in South Africa, Palmer had served as the director of South Africa office of Kenneth Copeland's Ministries. Um, in a February blog post for Patheos, an Anglican-turned-Catholic priest, the Reverend Dwight Longnecker focused on Palmer as representing something new in Anglicanism, especially for Palmer's involvement in the Convergent Movement, a charismatic Anglican group that ordains women as deacons and priests. Again, as we continue down the path toward the one world religion, we'll see, be seeing more and more unbiblical things as it progresses. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to talk more about that later. Pro- and then here are some related articles. Protestants who don't unite with Catholics are guilty of spiritual racism. Oh boy. Oh boy. So there's going to be more pressure. We Let's, put, let's play the race card now. We're racist because we won't yoke up with the Catholics. You know? Oh boy. Let's, let's do that. And then the next one, TV preachers Copeland and Robeson glowingly describe the meeting with the Pope to tear down walls of division... Um, and then I even give the link to Tony Palmer dies, but did he? Where, will there be a false resurrection? Because there's there's conflicting reports here about if he died or not. And one of the guys called like the hospital where he supposedly died at, and they said the guy was released. So could this be used later to say, oh, he's been resurrected. Look, he's the guy that had the unity between the Charismatics and the Catholics, and, and, and God has so blessed him for doing such, he's resurrected him. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I gave you that link just in case that happens, you know. Uh, next report, the Pope's Top Ten Secrets to Happiness. In an interview published in the Argentinian weekly Viva, meaning live, On July 27th, Pope Francis listed his top 10 tips for bringing greater joy to one's life. And there was no mention of God or Jesus Christ or salvation anywhere. 
had such golden nuggets as, number one, live and let live, which would be very close to the whole let go and let God thing that I've been told, I just got into. His number four reason was have a healthy sense of leisure. Okay. Oh, number nine, don't proselytize. Respect others' beliefs. Of course, we don't want to. We don't want to get anybody saved. No, no way. Don't proselytize. Respect them. We're all going to the same place. Well, from his standpoint, you know, I can I can see why he'd say that because he wants to get as many people into hell as possible. The focus on unity, non-proselytizing, world peace, respect of all beliefs, and environmentalism friendly, or, or environmentalism, identify Francis as a new age, I didn't read all the things, but they got into these other things. Identify Francis as a new age pope, who is a major figure in the creation of the apostate one world church of Revelation 17. Next report, Kenneth Copeland recants and returns to Catholicism. I'm going to go ahead and play this this uh, short video here of Kenneth Copeland, the Satanist. Okay, so this is January 21st, 2014, Kenneth Copeland's annual minister's conference, and I believe this is where we're going to hear Tony... Uh, Tony Palmer? Yeah, the guy that we just said died. Okay, I think this is, this is where a lot of this started. January 21st, 2014... His Kevin Copeland's annual ministry conference. Uh, let me turn up the volume here. The harlot Pentecostal returned to their mother. Revelation 17.5 I believe that God has brought me here to this year's ministers conference in the spirit of Elijah. Now again it's saying here Tony Palmer died in a motorcycle. This is him speaking died in a motorcycle crash on 20, July 20, 2014. Uh, he is in hell. Be sure that you don't join him there. Come out of the one world church that makes, uh, that these men are building. And it says click on this link to watch a salvation message. So he's got that in the video here. Um, okay, let's go further. Let me explain. If you look carefully... This devil's wearing a priest collar. And he's the one that was... He's yoked up with Copeland. He's yoked up with the Pope. I mean, you, just, you talk about an abomination. Okay. The spirit of Elijah was on John the Baptist to turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers. And to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons. To you know what he's saying there? He's twisting that scripture saying to turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers. Meaning, we're the sons because we're just the little peons of the Protestant movement, us, us charismatics, us Christians, and we, we need to turn our hearts toward the fathers, meaning, you know how you call a priest a father? Whereas the Bible says call no man father but your father in heaven? Okay, there's no, there's no Bible for calling a priest father at all. Okay, it's, in fact, it's an abomination. Well, this is how he's twisting this verse to turn the, the hearts of the sons because we see we came out of the mother harlot being Protestants, right? The whole, you know, Protestantism, they're protesting the Catholic Church, the, the Martin Luther nailing the 95, uh, you know, theses or whatever to the, to the uh, door. That's what he's talking about. 
We're the sons and daughters that have come out of, of the of the mother whore harlot. And we need to be turned to the to the fathers, the priests, the fathers, and then the hearts of the fathers to the sons, so they'll have pity on us. The Catholic pedophilic priesthood fathers will have pity on us and take us back into the mother harlot fold. This is exactly what he means when he's saying that. Prepare the way for the Lord. And we know that prophecy always has a double fulfillment. The Lord is the Antichrist is who he's referring to though. And we know that Elijah will come before the second coming as well. And I've understood that the spirit of Elijah is going to come. Okay. Okay, Elijah's going to come before the... So I, I don't know if he's talking about pre-trib, Elijah's going to come. Uh, you know, not really exactly sure what he's talking about there, but um, most likely Elijah and um, Enoch will be one of the two witnesses that come back because they're the only two people in the Old Testament that did not die but were taken up into heaven. Okay, they're the only two people in the Old Testament that ever happened to. So, I think there's a very strong possibility they will be the two witnesses that come back, you know, near near the end of the tribulation. Okay, so, anyway. Elijah is the spirit of reconciliation. So we're going to be we're going to be all joined together as one big happy family in unity. To form the one world religion under Antichrist and false prophet is what he's saying. Turn hearts to each other. This is very important. It's very important Catholic, to say. If you're born again, raise your hand if you're born again. You're a Catholic. So you're Catholic if you're born again. You're already Catholic. That's what that's what this fork-tongued snake from the pit of hell is saying. They're all laughing, uh huh. Take back, redeem what belongs to you. We are Catholics. What a devil from the pit of hell. I've come to understand that diversity is divine, it's division that's diabolic. Lying, pork tongue devil. Jesus said, Suppose ye that I come to give peace on earth, I tell you, nay, but rather division. He said division is diabolical. So that... Not if it's dividing you from air. Not if it's dividing you from heretics. From apostates. Division is good then. Lest you be defiled with them. Lest you be partakers of their sins and of their plagues. This is why God wants us to be divided. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He wants us to do that. He does not want us to be united in air. He wants us to be divided in truth. If everybody was walking around in truth, then we could truly be united. But it's not the case, especially now, of all times. They may be one. It's the glory that brings us together, not the doctrines. Not the doctrines. So the Bible doesn't mean anything. That's what glues it together. The glory, what does that mean? The glory of Satan? It's not the doctrines? No, the doctrines are what actually bring us together. 
Okay, the doctrine of the word of God. It's the glory. If you accept that Christ is living in me and the presence of God is in me. And no, I don't accept that, Tony. The, 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 the Antichrist obviously operates you, you fork-tongued devil. And you're in hell now, burning most likely. I mean, if you died. So, everything, literally everything this guy is saying is absolutely straight from the pit of hell. It's like a devil or a demon is literally channeling through this guy. The presence of God is in you. That's all we need. The Apostle Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, meaning their own carnal lusts and desires, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. This is exactly what he's doing. By good words and fair speeches, he's deceiving the hearts of these simple-minded simpletons, essentially. These people have no discernment. They have not studied the word of God. They're totally trusting in false religion and in Kenneth Copeland and some devil that he brings in to speak to them. And they're, and my people love to have it so. I'm not saying they're even God's people, but they would call themselves Christians, wouldn't they? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Because most of your fear is based on propaganda. What a, again, everything this guy said, it's like a, listening to Obama speak. He says, your fear is based on propaganda. No, it's not. It's based on the word of God. I fear yoking up with you, Mr. Devil, Catholic, father, dude, anti-whatever-you-are, because you are of your devil, and you are of your father, the devil, and of his lusts, and of his works, you will do. You are a vessel of Satan. Tony Palmer, you look like a Satanist too. I'm sorry, he just reminds me of a Satanist. And so he's saying, oh no, don't worry. You, you don't believe the propaganda. Don't believe the word of God. Doctrine's not what matters. It's all that matters is the glory, whatever that means, the glory in this case of Satan. Most of your fears based on propaganda. Catholics tortured millions of Christians down through the centuries. Not to mention the pedophilic priesthood. Propaganda, right. Brothers and sisters, Luther's protest is over. Is yours. Meaning, meaning, you know, obviously Martin Luther, okay? His, his protest is over. Is yours. I'm not a Protestant. If you're a born-again Bible-believing Christian, you're not a Protestant either. I didn't come out of the Catholic Church. Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. Okay? They were protesting what was going on. The Lutherans, Martin Luther, they came out of the Catholic Church. Okay? All I call myself is a born-again Bible-believing Christian. That's it. Okay? I mean, that's... <laughs> it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. So, the protest has been over for 15 years. And I get a bit cheeky here, because I challenge my Protestant pastor friends. If there is no more protest, how can there be a Protestant church? Bible believers are not Protestants, as I just said. Maybe now we're all Catholics again. Oh, isn't that special? We're all Catholics but now, we are everybody. Reformed. We're Catholic in the universal sense. 
universal one world church under antichrist and false prophet is what he's saying are protesting the doctrine of salvation by the catholic church anymore we now preach the same gospel we now preach you're saved by grace through faith alone the word alone was the argument for 500 years what a forked tongued devil they've never preached you're saved by grace through faith in the catholic church it's all about works it's more works based than any other sect of christianity of pseudo-Christianity, okay? Or it's just right up there with the top, you know? They've never preached that. What a lie from the pit of hell. The word alone is there. You can read it yourself. The protest is over. The protest is over. Oh, isn't that special? The protest will never be over for King James Bible-believing Christians. That's what the, the video says. I agree. Now let's hear from the minister of Satan who organized this wicked event. Probably Kenneth Copeland. Here he comes, the Satanist himself. Oh. Here he is, Ken Copeland. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, he's sick glory, devil glory. from the pit of hell. He's got his big screen TVs up everywhere. It looks like he's got a phoenix bird coming out of the back as a symbol now. And now he's going to say, oh, you know, get all the, the flowery preaching and, you know, glory, glory this and glory that. And, you know, probably just flew in on his jet or came in on one of his Harleys out of his 20,000 square foot house bragging that he, he's made over a billion dollars. And that was in 2008. And now he's going to give us some new pearls of wisdom here. Come on, the man asked us to pray for him. Oh, Father. Father, we, we answer his request. And since we know not how to pray for him as we ought other than to agree with him in his quest and in, in his, his, his heart for the unity of the body of Christ. Now, Kenneth Copeland, he says here, has never been in the body of Christ. True. But understand something. A key tenet of an occultist or a Satanist is trying to get you as a Christian to come into agreement with them. And this can be literally something as simple as a Satanist coming up to you and saying, isn't it a beautiful day out? And you agree with them. They are constantly trying to get you to agree with them. Because then, on a spiritual level, you, you're more open to deception. Okay? This is an occult principle. And he is, he is there as an emissary of Satan trying to get his whole congregation to come into total agreement with what this fork-tongued Catholic devil just said to them. Okay? To make it official. It's almost like you're coming into a binding agreement with Satan. You know, you're, but it's a verbal agreement. I think that's a big reason why a lot of times we can come under spiritual oppression because we come into agreement with Satan. We come together in the unity of our faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. His Father, Satan. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is Jesus Thank is Sananda Emmanuel, the false Jesus. Now listen to what happens when you play the audio backwards. When he's saying thank you. 
Recant. You, you play it backwards. Now, the videos that I'm going to be giving you a link to the videos later, which is a big, probably the main reason I came out of the Charismatic Church. 20 hours of footage. Kenneth Copeland is one of the main chief guys in the video where they go in, they get 20 hours of footage. This, this brother from Australia. They slow the tongues down. They reverse the tongues. They hear what they're saying off camera. They slow even speech down. They, they reverse speech, and they you see all of these satanic things that they're actually crying out for. Kenneth Copeland's one of the worst. He's been doing this for a long, long time. This guy is a high-level Luciferian Satanist, okay? And you do backmasking on this guy, just like you do backmasking on a Led Zeppelin album, you know, and it's calling about Sweet Satan or Beatles albums, and they're talking about Sweet Satan and a lot of the rock and roll stuff. It, it's the same exact thing, okay? And um, these are these are this is what happens when a high level Satanist speaks. Kenneth Copeland will damn you to hell for all of eternity if you follow him. He's got two hundred seventy three thousand plus people on his Facebook page that like him. Hallelujah! <laughs> now Tony Palmer and him are on stage together. I will. He says, Tony Palmer, this is before they went to the Vatican. This is where it started. He says, you're going to have to come to the Vatican, Tony Palmer says. And he says, and Copeland says, I will. I'm available. Praise God. Available. Praise God. God's will be done. Tony, thank you, sir. Satan's will be done. I have you blessed this place tonight. They're giving each other a big, big hug. Two Satanists embracing. Thank you. Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians 6.17 So, um, thank Husky394XP, that's his YouTube channel for that video. Um, you know, <laughs> pure truth, pure truth. Now, let's go a little bit further. And we're going to talk about now this guy uh, named Doug Coe. I've really never heard a lot about this guy, but man, this is really... This thing with the One World Religion, it's really... Um, really, I mean, it's, it's just like exploding. The momentum that it's gaining. And there's so many horrific things that are happening on a week-to-week basis now. So much stuff gets pushed aside. I've been meaning to do this study for a while, and there's even aspects of the study I'm not going to be able to cover today. Um, but this is entitled, um, well, on, on June 5th, Pope Francis, here we go with Pope Francis again, met in private with Doug Coe. Here's a picture of him in the PDF I posted for uh, August 17, 2014 at contendingfortruth.com. He is one of the most influential evangelicals in the U.S., and the head of, quote, the family. That's what it's, his organization is called. One of the most secretive and most powerful religious organizations in the world. 
this Doug Coe guy, the fam, quote, the family's connections reach to the highest levels of the U.S. government and include ties to the CIA and numerous current and past dictators from around the world. He has been referred to as the stealth Billy Graham, I guess by the press, and in 2005, Coe was named one of the 25 most influential evangelicals in the United States by Time Magazine. Coe is an ordained Presbyterian elder and serves as a lay minister. As Jeffrey Charlotte for Harper's Magazine said, quote, Their goal is an invisible world government organization led by a Christ. Oh, really? Like the Antichrist? Hmm. That's what they aspire to. That's a secular magazine flat out coming out and saying that. They are very explicit about this if you look at their documents. And I spent a lot of time researching in their archives. Their goal is a worldwide invisible organization. And this is the same guy that just met with Pope Francis. The family has a lot of connections with businessmen in the oil and aerospace industries, the CIA, the Pentagon, and the Department of Defense under Dirk Kempthorne's supervision and it's something akin to a secret society residing within the Interior Department colluding to cover for one another's misdeeds. Sounds real Christian to me. Talk about, you know, not yoking up with wickedness. Of course, they're wicked, yoking up with other wicked organizations. Representative Nick J. Rahal II, chairman of the House Natural Resources, stated the meeting with Pope Francis was partially funded by the Vatican Foundation and the participants were sele- selected by Co himself. So there we have more evidence of this one world religion coming into formation. Here we have a short video clip where Obama endorses the elitist pseudo-Christian organization, Doug Coe's The Family. President Obama is attending a, a Washington prayer breakfast sponsored by The Family, headed by Doug Coe. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. I'm pretty sure it's pretty short. Good morning, everybody. It's good old Obama. Uh, It is good to be with so many friends. National Prayer Breakfast, February 2nd, 2012. Uh, United in prayer. Prayer towards Satan. Begin by giving all praise and honor to God for bringing us together here today. His God, Satan. uh, Our co-chairs, Mark and Jeff, uh, to my dear friend, the guy who always has my back, Vice President Biden, uh, all the members of Congress, Joe deserves a hand, all the members of Congress and my cabinet who are here today, uh, all the distinguished guests who've traveled a long way to be part of this. Uh, I'm not going to be as funny as Eric, but uh, I'm grateful that uh, he shared his message with us. Uh, Michelle and I feel truly blessed. To be here. This is my third year coming to this prayer breakfast as president. As Jeff mentioned, uh, before that I came as senator. Uh, I have to say it's easier coming as president. I don't have to get here quite as early. But it's always been an opportunity that I've cherished. 
<laughs> right. It's a chance to step back for a moment, for us to come together as brothers and sisters and seek God's face together. Do you believe this? Seek Satan's face? I think that's what he meant. Anyway, that was an actual... Um, uh, That, that was actually a prayer breakfast that's put on annually by Doug Coe, the family, okay? And so he is big, big time yoked up with becoming not only one world religion, but one world government. He, I mean, these connections that we're talking Pentagon, aerospace, Department of Defense, I mean, all of these. But see, they need that. Satan needs to have a lot of interlocked, interlinking, big-time organizations with a lot of satanic money behind them in order to pull off a one-world government. It's not just something like you you snap your fingers and you got a one-world government. There's a lot of things that have to be torn down and have to be infiltrated before that can properly be brought about. And that's what organizations like this, the family are all about. Then we have the next report. Westmont President Gail Beebe invited to meet with Pope Francis to discuss finding common ground between Protestants and Catholics. We just have one report after another regarding this. Okay, Last week, Westmont uh, College President Gail Beebe left Santa Barbara to journey east as part of a select group chosen to visit the Vatican and meet with Pope Francis to discuss finding common ground between Protestants and Catholics. So see, the Pope is really reaching out at a breakneck pace now because I think his higher-ups, his handlers, whether that's, you would call that the Black Pope, who is actually considered to be the real uh, head of the Catholic Church, he would be the Jesuit general Black Pope. There's a White Pope who is Pope Francis and then the Black Pope would be the Jesuit general head of the Jesuits, the most secretive evil arm of the Catholic death cult, um, or whether it's a family up in the Illuminati that's ahead of them, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly who his handler is, but I believe he's been given marching orders that you need to really step this up. We need a one world religion, and we need it ASAP. And so this is why this is happening. Um, so, here is the request um, I guess this was the request by the Vatican. Here is the request. Can we find common ground to advance the life and ministry of Jesus? Oh, isn't that special? Attorneys, doctors, and pastors were all among those invited. Even Saddleback Church Pastor Rick Warren was asked, but he had a previous engagement. And Beebe was selected to represent the Protestant higher education of North America. Uh, there has always been this potential for misunderstanding between Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, that little misunderstanding of the 50 million plus killed during the Inquisitions in the most horrific ways you could possibly even imagine. So many of them true Bible-believing Christians. That's just a little misunderstanding. The whole cadre pedophilic priesthood, the whole thing about indulgences over the years where you could go and pay a Catholic priest like a certain amount and then you could go, is you know, and that would pay the price ahead of time before you went out and raped the little girl. As long as you paid the Catholic Church enough, you know, in indulgences, you could go and do whatever you wanted to. You could rape little girls or little boys or murder, do whatever you wanted to. Those are the Catholic indulgence system, you know. Uh, you could go on and on and on about the Catholic Church. Those are just misunderstandings, though, you know, that we've, we've had. 
Beatty said the post-Reformation church will have to figure out how to move beyond the fighting that reached its apex 500 years ago. You mean during the Inquisitions? Oh yeah. And that was, that was Bible-believing Christians' fault, right? That was, that was all our fault. Um, and we need to get back to talking about life and ministry of Jesus. See, they try to make everything Christ-centered. Like Christ would have anything to do with this from a scriptural standpoint. We've already proven that that's such a bunch of garbage. Which he called a galvanizing interest for both groups. Notice that all of these things center around unification for the sake of Jesus Christ. And having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And salvation through Jesus Christ. All the things that you would know... Let's say a born-again, Bible-believing Christian would 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 want to hear, maybe, potentially, if they hadn't done their homework. Okay? So, the Vatican Foundation has been charged with putting together a variety of non-Catholic Christian groups who can come from different places from around the world. The group that was the key to BB selection was through the National Prayer Movement and the Fellowship Foundation. Uh, led by Doug Coe of No, oh Doug Coe again, yeah. So the National Prayer Breakfast, which we just heard Obama speak at, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the the group that was key to BB selection was through the National Prayer Movement and the Fellowship Foundation, led by Doug Coe. Evidently, it's some offshoot of the family of Doug Coe, which sponsors the National Prayer Breakfast. So you could see this whole slimy. A uh, bunch of cast of characters all being united and, and linked together. Coe is connected to many politicians around the world and across the country, and several U.S. congressmen will be on the trip with BB as well. They're really ramping it up. Next report. Charismatics pray over Pope Francis. Now this will warm the cockles of your heart. On June 1st, more than 50,000 charismatic Catholics attended a rally at Rome's Olympic Stadium. One highlight of the event was a special prayer for Pope Francis to be, quote, filled with the unholy spirit. I mean spirit. One highlight of the event was a special prayer for Pope Francis to be filled with the spirit as he knelt in his papal chair the crowd murmured charismatic prayers, including gibberish tongues, and sang in the Spirit. Many included bishops and cardinals raising their hands toward the Pope. In a brazen reminder of the heretical nature of the setting, a life-size statue of Rome's Mary, Queen of Heaven, stood in front of the papal podium. Well, you got to have the idol there to really get the demonic energies flowing, you know. The Pope exhorted the charismatic crowd to exercise spiritual ecumenicism to heal divisions among Christians. Notice that this is all about joining everybody together and to heal these festering wounds that have been so long going, you know, that they just need to be healed. Um, he also invited the charismatics to St. Peter's Square for Pentecost in 2017 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church. 50-year anniversary. The renewal began when the Assemblies of God Pentecostals laid hands on the Catholics in 1967. See, that's when this all started. The Charismatic Catholics started then, in 1967, when they started praying their demonic gibberish tongues. And we're going to get into this 
What are the applications of tongues? What, what are we biblically talking about when we're talking about tongues? Okay. That's when it began. And who imparted those spirits to the Catholics that became charismatic Catholics? Well, an assembly of God, Pentecostals, when they laid hands on them and imparted these spirits to them in 1967. And look at what it's grown to today where you have Tony Palmer of the Charismatic Catholics coming to Kenneth Copeland, who's one of the biggest guys in the Charismatic movement, and saying, we just need to all get on the same page. We all need to get united. One world religion under Antichrist and false prophet. Pope Francis says that he was opposed to the Charismatic renewal when it first began, but now he is enthusiastic and claims to even speak in tongues himself. Nothing is bringing the end-time, one-world church together more effectively than the charismatic movement and its contemporary music. That's a whole other subject. With the whole Christian rock music. We've done many studies on that as well. Now, this is a study that has been kind of a long time coming. And um, sure to probably make a lot of people potentially mad. But... I really had to say something about this whole tongues thing when we have the whole basis of the charismatic movement being tongues, essentially. And being, quote, slain in the spirit. Okay? So, tongues is not essential for salvation. I just want to biblically prove that because charismatics literally believe, and I know I was one of them, and I've dealt with them since then, that there's a large sect of them that believe that if you're not praying in tongues, you're not saved. Okay? The bottom line is that the issue of salvation is very clear in the Bible. And if someone isolates a few verses that seem to contradict all the clear teachings in the Bible on salvation, then they're misguided and this is the basis for all cults. Pseudo-Christian cults that isolate verses in the Bible and dwell on them to the exclusion of of the rest of the Bible, which needs to be recon, re- reconciled. See my teaching on salvation, and I give you a link to my the True Salvation page I've got where I just go over Bible verses, essentially. Tongues is the last of all gifts mentioned here in the Bible. The last and really the least. And for each gift mentioned, please see the Bible says only some have each gift. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12.28 And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then the gift of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Last thing listed. Okay? It doesn't say diversities of tongues and everybody that doesn't have this one gift is not saved. Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Obviously, the answer to the question is no. Not all Christians have the gifts mentioned. So, tongues cannot be a prerequisite to be saved or supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit as all Christians do not even possess this gift as many of the other scriptures also teach. Of course not all people have the gift of healing. All people do not have the gift of tongues. All people do not interpret meaning interpret the tongues. 
1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What is the, what is the gist of that verse? Tongues are downplayed in that verse. Charity never faileth. This is verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. That was verse 1 I just read. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there will be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, that it shall vanish away. This verse seems to infer that there will come a time when tongues will cease. Okay? Now I know, that's open to debate. But it's also downplayed here. As well. Another verse where tongues is downplayed. This is to the people that think you have to be praying in tongues in order to be saved. Okay? That's why I'm going over these verses. Then, if you go to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 14.5, I, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Again, it's downplayed. Except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Meaning, if you speak with tongues in a church setting, and there's nobody to interpret, nobody's going to be edified. Nobody's going to be built up. Because nobody's going to know what you're saying. And in a church setting, it's very clear on the parameters. If somebody were to do that, one person would speak in tongues, and two to three would interpret it's not two to three people speaking in tongues or the whole congregation like I saw and nobody interpreting or one guy interpreting. There's no Bible for that. None. Whether you believe in tongues or whether you don't, it's still being done in a totally unbiblical way in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches that I've seen. Okay? And we're going to look at this more. I'm just saying these verses up front just to kind of give a little bit of background here. Um, so again, greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except you interpret that the church may receive edifying. Again, tongues are downplayed, and clearly we see by this verse, once again, that all, not all people speak in tongues. Next verse. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine. Again, tongues are downplayed. Meaning, if I come to you speaking in tongues, and you don't understand what I'm saying, what's, what's it going to profit you? So it's, it's downplayed. But the charismatics, in particular, have made it like the, the most important thing there is in manifestation of your conversion and salvation. Oh, you're not filled with the Spirit. I guess you're not saved. Oh, listen, don't tell me they don't say that, because I've been there. <laughs> I know exactly that's what, maybe not all of them, but <laughs> most of them, you're not filled with the Spirit. You're Well, you know the Holy Spirit never came and dwelt in you, you're not speaking in tongues, so you're really not saved. Oh, so it's works-based. i got to get this gift, or I'm not saved. Well, let's look at, at the whole modern-day start. Where did, where did the modern-day charismatic and Pentecostal movement, where, where was the wellspring of it? Where, where did it really, 
What really got it going? What was really the catalyst event? The Charismatics and the Pentecostals will both admit that that catalyst, the main thing that got the whole tongue slain in the spirit, charismatic Pentecostal thing going was the Azusa Street Revival. This is from their own writings, what they admit to. Again, I know I've been there, I know what they've admitted to, and I know what they've said. The Azusa Street Revival was a historic uh, event that took place in Los Angeles, California, and is the origin of the modern-day Pentecostal movement. It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. It began with a meeting on April 6th, 1906, so over a 100 years ago, and continued until roughly 1915. The revival was characterized by ecstatic spiritual experiences accompanied by dramatic worship services, speaking in tongues, and intersex and interrace mingling. Now, this is what they're saying. This is what they're, they're looking at the fruit of this whole thing. The participants were criticized by the secular media. Even the secular media was criticizing them as crazy. And Christian theologians for behaviors considered to be outrageous and unorthodox, especially at the time. In today's age, I mean, I see what's going on in the church now, and this would be nothing. You know, John Crowder, or devils like that, that, you know, believe they're out there drinking, uh, taking the toke of the Holy Ghost, like they're smoking the Holy Ghost, in, in literally like in pipes and stuff, and drinking what they call godka, which is holy water, and literally getting wasted off the stuff, and posting YouTube videos where, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're faking it, but I don't even think they are. I think it's they're so demonically deluded and possessed that this this toking the Holy Ghost in this godka that they're drinking, and they dress up like monks and stuff. I mean, it, it's another part of the ecumenical contemplative movement. It is so blasphemous and so evil what people like Crowder and his ilk are doing, you know, I mean, it, it would blow anything I'm going to be talking about today out of the water. Totally blow it out. I mean, it would, wouldn't even be in the same. But back then, when morals were a much bigger deal, when things were, you know, 50 times more conservative than they are now, it was a big deal. Is it a big deal to God, though? You know, behaving in a totally insane manner, like in charismatic services. I, I think that if God changes not, and he's the same today, yesterday, and forever, and that we're supposed to operate in indecency and in order, and we're not supposed to lay hands on suddenly on no man, and we're asked to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, and we're not to be a stumbling block before our brother or sister, I think it's important how we act. You know, from a biblical standpoint. Obviously it is. Pentecostal type manifestations and beliefs existed long before the latter rain events at Azusa Street. But it was at Azusa Street that Pentecostalism took proper shape and form. The inception of any movement is important. Was it holy 
was it a holy and godly event? Or not? This paper will show, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the birth of Pentecostalism was a defective, was defective, and a monster was born. Now look at what, what did we talk about today? The charismatic church finally, officially, yoking up with the Catholic whore. What is that fruit of? What is that what ultimately spawned this charismatic monster that has now officially openly yoked up with the Catholic Church? Well, this is where it started. This is what they admit to. Well, the Bible says in Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So if this had a wicked corrupt foundation from the beginning, Jesus Christ said that a, a, a wicked tree is only going to produce wicked fruit. A good tree beareth good fruit. And by their fruits you shall know them. So what we're going to do today is look at fruit. Regardless of how you feel about this particular subject, I just want to look at the fruit. I came out of this movement. So, you know, you're not going to call or, or, or like email me and, and try to convince me that this is so holy. I know what's went on there. And that was in, like, the 90s, like the mid-90s in that area. Well, a little bit, 96, 97. Who knows what it's like? Oh, I mean, I've seen videos. Listen, I'm not saying I'm special at all, okay? If I got what I deserved, I'd get death in hell. Okay, I don't deserve salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't deserve his mercy and his grace. I would be the first to admit that and agree with you about that. I'm not saying this stuff because I think I'm better. I came out of this, though, so this is kind of a near and dear thing to me. The Lord convicted me when the whole Todd Bentley thing was happening. Mr. The, the, the bald, tattooed from head to toe preacher that the whole Todd Bentley revival happened. Remember, remember that? The whole Lakeland Todd Bentley thing? Okay. Kean Bentley in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. Now, some teachings I did that led up to that point. If you Kean Bentley, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y, in the keyword search box, at contendingfortruth.com, I did a five-part teaching on, um, it, the, one of them was, uh, let's see, Bentley's Kundalini Calling to Open the Stargates for Satan. Nice little light, whimsical title there. Uh, I did that one, it's five-part teaching there. And then the other one, um, this one I did before that, Lakeland Revival, Convicted Child Molester, Todd Bentley, he was a convicted child molester, Lying Signs and Wonders. And there was a four, three or four part teaching there. And then another one, God TV, Lakeland, Todd Bentley, and Satanism. Okay? These people are pure evil. Now, I did put the keywords in here. I was hoping that it would be easier to find. But you're going to have to do a separate search for Todd. Okay? Todd Bentley, you just can the word Todd. T-O-D-D. And if you scroll down, you'll see Breaking Current Events. This is from August 3rd, 2008. Okay? Todd Bentley's False Revival Shutdown. 
Now this is one of the most amazing, coolest things that the Lord Jesus Christ has ever let me be a part of. I don't take credit for this, but I do think that God can use people, if they're willing, um, to go out and do this stuff. And um, in this teaching, we will, be, we will be discussing the following topics. Our report from the recent 7308 road trip up to Todd Bentley's blasphemous Lakeland tent revival. Now, I discuss other things, too. It's just one part. But, basically, me and um, my listener, uh, kind of former listener, Doug, um, Doug, Doug was married to Lisa, and they were part of our small, like, home Bible study a long time ago for my new listeners. And um, when we were down in North Fort Myers, Florida. And Doug and I, um, we decided we were going to take a road trip. There was a couple places we wanted to pray um, over and against leading up to Lakeland. We, we stopped a couple places um, that were uh, connected with highly occultic, cursed things in um, leading up to Lakeland. I always tried when I t- took trips, especially back then, I tried to like go to as many cursed devil places that I could go so we could pray against it. Spiritual warfare stuff. And we got to good old Todd Bentley's revival. Now this was when things had gotten so big with Todd Bentley that he he got out of the church there at the Lakeland church that he was at and he moved to a literal airfield. It was it was an airport. Okay? And they had this big um, <clears throat> building that he was renting out. It outgrown the church. It was a big church. Outgrew it. And, I mean, it was like a, you know, almost like a circus-type environment. We got up there really early. Now, I'm going to be do a lot better job explaining it on here, on, on, on the audio. Um, and um, we got up there really early. And, um, you know, we were, we were praying, kind of getting the lay of the land. Then we got in there. And the service started, and we realized Todd Bentley wasn't even there that day. I don't know whether Satan had maneuvered him out of there or what. He was almost there every day. He wasn't there. So we were kind of a little bit bummed out, but we're like, you know what, we're going to still, our prayers still can be just as effective, even though this guy's not here. I saw some of the craziest stuff I'd ever seen in my life there. Um, And I get into it more in the audio that you'll hear. But you're only going to find it by keying T-O-D-D in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Scrolling down a little bit and you'll see Breaking Current Events, Todd Bentley's False Revival Shutdown. We get in there, saw some just nutty stuff. We were in the back, very back row in the center, and basically just praying against this thing the whole time. And... um we, it was, it was, it was insane, okay, what they were doing in there and all the garbage, but again, it's way, if you, if you hear the audio I do then, it's much fresher in my mind. Suffice it to say that we left there, and within the next week, really within the next two to three days, that tent revival was over. It came out that he was cheating on his wife, with another woman in there. That came out. And even as, as liberal as the Charismatics were, they couldn't abide that. 
and um, the revival, and then there was one other thing that happened. And I mean, this thing had been going great guns for a long time. Been on all the major news networks, all of you know, oh, this big revival of guns, and then it just turned out everything was exposed, or at least a lot of it. And within, I, I believe, five days, it was totally done. As far as I know, we were the only ones there praying, right there. Now, I'm not saying other people weren't praying against this, but I think it's different, there's a different dynamic that takes place when you actually go to a place and are literally there praying against the wickedness and, and, and that God would, you know, expose, and it's exactly what happened, God exposed. That big, huge worldwide phenomenon revival was shut down within five days. And it just so happened to be of us being there. Now, I'm not saying that mean I think I'm whatever. I'm just saying it did happen. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever been able to be a part of. Um, so, and I mean, that was as charismatic as you could get. If you listen to these other teachings, you, you just key in Bentley. I mean, this guy is, I mean, this is the, this is the logical progression and evolution of the Pentecostal movement. This is where, I mean, this is like, okay, it started here at Azusa Street, and the stuff that was going on there was bad, but, like, what it's evolved into, and then, then now you have, like, Crowder and, and these other guys token the Holy Ghost and drinking their godka and yoking up with the Catholic Church and, and just all manner of blasphemy. What is the fruit? Years and years and years later, where both the Pentecostals and Charismatics say that they were their movement was birthed from. What is the fruit of this? Is it good? If it was so holy and so righteous, why are they yoking up with the Catholic Church openly? They've been doing this for years, obviously. But now it's getting to be just flat out open. Why is it that they appear to be the most deceived sect of Christianity that there is? I'm not saying that all denominations aren't, aren't deceived, on, but I'm talking about the most deceived, the most deluded, the most um, enthusiastic to yoke up with the Catholic whore. Why, it, it, you know, by their fruits you shall know them. Have to ask yourself that question. So, going back to the main article, the inception of any movement is important. Was it a holy and godly event or not? As a child, meaning this movement, as a child, early day Pentecostalism, it displayed an immaturity of outlook. As a youth, it desired adventure and started to flex its muscles early in the 1960s when charismania began. Of course, you know, I know you can say it began there, but I really believe it began at Azusa. I mean, what they were doing was very, very common in charismatic churches. Then, in the 1990s, the true nature of the monster was revealed as it rampaged the world and destroyed countless churches and Christian lives. It was called itself the Toronto Blessing and personified the biblical description of Satan as an angel of light and his activities as works of darkness. 
Now, remember I said there was a, that series of tapes that brought me out of the charismatic church? Okay. This, these are the tapes. The Toronto Blessing Unmasked, evidence that will shock you. On this video, you will witness the evidence that clearly shows men like Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Rodney Howard Brown, Mike Evans, and many others to be real practicing Satanists who were posing as Christian pastors. And at the time, this was the original advertisement. I just wanted to show this to you so you would see that it, this is, like, legit. Even gives you the guy's address and everything. I don't think the address is valid anymore. It's from Australia. I tried to write. I tried to write the two ad- They're not. This was a long time ago these tapes came out, and I can only imagine the pressure that was put upon them by these Satanists to shut them down. Um, I actually got a set of the tapes, and, um, I have them, and, uh, I sent them to a listener who offered to put them up on YouTube. I don't know how to convert VHS and do all the YouTube, and I didn't have time. And it took them a while, but I even mentioned on one of my teachings that, uh, the, the tapes, I don't know what happened to them, and, and he heard that, and he, you know, then he put them up which I, I do appreciate that. And um, they're still up there. I'm surprised. And I told him, I said, you need to put at the start of this that you really want to pray quite a bit before you even think about watching these things. Because they're really demonic. I mean, like, I remember I got done watching them the first time. It was like 20 hours. And I was like, oh, man, I've seen enough. You know, I mean, you just feel drained. <laughs> I mean, it's not like fun. It's just a really downer thing, especially if you were literally coming out of that movement and you had a lot invested into that and you had a lot of friends in it, which I did, and it wasn't like, oh boy, I'm so overjoyed seeing this, you know, um, anyway, I give you more info about it, and then I actually went up today and I found the links that are, one is the, all of the, well, I don't think it's in the entirety, but it's a lot of the, the video in one, the first one though, it's 21 parts, and uh, you click on that, you start on part one. So I give you the links here on page um, seven of the PDF for eight seventeen two thousand fourteen at contendingfortruth.com. I even there's a picture of the actual outside of the video. Like when I got it, there's a there's a picture of the um, of the video cover, the VHS. This is how long ago this was. Okay. And then I also found other websites regarding the videos that actually have the quotes that you're hearing on the tapes. But they, they, somebody took the time to actually type them out and um, put them um, in a print format that you could actually read them. Okay? And um, the article, the, going further, it says, this article deals with a very serious allegation by a Christian brother in Australia. He has made, uncovered evidence that Kenneth Copeland, Rodney Howard Brown, and many of the other famous preachers are actually Satanists posing as pastors. This evidence comes straight from the lips of these men themselves, uh, as by closely analyzing their tongues, they can be heard calling upon and praising Satan. The way they praise Satan is in front of crowds, is by mixing the praise in with their tongues, or actually reverse reversing the um, what they're saying in tongues, or even in what they're speaking, you can hear them praising Satan as well. Okay. And unbelievable as this will sound to many, it is only viewing these videos that can make an accurate judgment. 
Anyone who doubts these quotes, please go to, and there's a link here. I don't know if this link's still valid, but like I said, the tapes are littered up there. Now, here's what you have to understand. These are VHS um, cassette tapes, old ones that came from Australia. I don't know if I got mine from California, because then the other guy, he converted them. But they're like copies of copies, of maybe of copies. So, they're not all... You know, the greatest quality. You know, uh, I wish I had the, like the original and we could have put that right up there. But they're the best we could do. The best, you know, that could be done. And so, just please bear that in mind. But example one, this is just a little bit of a, a couple different um, things that were said. Example one on the tape says, while pretending to speak in tongues, Kenneth Copeland says the words, quote, come take the mark of the beast as he invites Dennis Bork to come forward for the ministry. Now, this is the same guy that we were just hearing with Tony Palmer. This was years before that. This is the same guy saying to Tony Palmer, yes, I'm coming to the Vatican, I'm available. You know? Saying, come take the mark of the beast. And you can you can really do this in tongues pretty easily. Especially if, if you're not, like, speaking right into the mic and, you know... Example two, Kenneth Copeland says the words, Tell my brother now, take the beast, take together Satan. Here, yeah, we have the mark mark of, of from the beast. Not all of them are totally like perfectly linguistically sound, but you get the you get the picture here, okay? He does this as he communicates with Rodney Howard Brown, who referred to himself as the Holy Ghost bartender. Which is probably where Crowder got the whole idea of this Godka thing. He he called himself the Holy Ghost bartender. In supposed tongues, uh, he communicates with Rodney Howard Brown in tongues about a man who is about to be prayed for by Rodney Howard Brown. Now what these Satanists are doing is just imparting devils into these people they're laying hands for and, quote, praying for. These examples go on and on and on for about 20 hours I mean, when you're done, it's like, oh, okay, okay, I don't need to see anymore, type of thing. Now, back to the main report that we're talking about here. Old-style Pentecostalists might throw up their arms in horror at this lineage, claiming they have nothing to do with this evil Toronto movement, um, um, or Copeland, or Pensacola, or anything, but they are wrong and deluded. They are the parents of the charismatic movement that produced the Toronto Blessing. Even if they attempt to distance themselves, they came from the same family lineage starting at Azusa Street. We will, now, the guy that wrote this article was really, really... I, I, I toned his rhetoric down some because it was almost like he was coming off like really super condemning. And Listen, I came out of it, and I think that you know we don't need to beat somebody over the head and try to belittle them, and I'm not saying he was belittling them, but um, I think he could have done it a little nicer way, is all I'm saying. So I tried to tone this down a little bit. I, I kind of edited. I, and We're getting the gist of what is being said here without having to be so like repetitively over and over. You know, you're being deluded, you're being deceived, you're be, you know, okay, that's going to be apparent by what we're going to be doing what we're going to be talking about today here. Um, going further, 
but even though the same, this is pretty hardcore. Okay, we will be looking at the Azusa Street phenomenon because it created the evil life form that insidiously grew and erupted into the Toronto Blessing. In his book, The Toronto Blessing and the Slain of the Spirit, Nader Mikal points out that Pentecostalists never write about counterfeit miracles. Although Bill Randalls of the USA tackles the topic amongst others in his own work, the reason, but that reason is very simple, why they don't write about counterfeit miracles. If they once acknowledge that some of, the act, some of their activities are evil, then they risk having them all be branded with the same label. The danger to the structure and the existence of Pentecostalism would be very real then. It would collapse because it is built on a foundation of sand. Well, yeah, but like I said, so much of what they do is false, and people just keep coming back for more. You know? I've seen it over and over. I even did it. So, this is probably why Pentecostalists will, or Pentecostals, he calls calls them Pentecostalists, they're Pentecostals, will not acknowledge the occult beginnings of their own movement. If that is, they know their own history anyway. A lot of them aren't fully aware of it, obviously. Uh, Some Pentecostals distance themselves from the charismatic excess as found in the Toronto Blessing. Some even distance themselves from various leaders, such as John Arnott of Toronto and or John Wimber of Vineyard. Wow, that just hit me. John Arnott was was one of the guys in this picture with Pope Francis, with Copeland and Robeson. Pictured, and I'm going to skip ahead, in this picture, Reverend John Arnott and his wife, Carol, co-founders, of Partners for Harvest Ministries in Toronto, Canada. Evidently having to do with the good old Toronto blessing. Okay, and again, I forget stuff too. What is the Toronto blessing? Let's, let's define the Toronto blessing because this is, their, this is heavily emphasized as ultimate fruit of what started at Azusa Street. The Toronto Blessing is a supposed outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people in the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship Church, formerly the Toronto Airport Vineyard Church, on July 20th, 1994. A Pentecostal pastor named Randy Clark spoke at the church and gave his testimony of how he would, quote, get drunk in the Spirit. And again, now you, you see where that's evolved to, with guys like Crowder getting high on the Holy Ghost and in, 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 in drinking Godka. Catholic holy water, and getting literally drunk. Okay? Drunk in the spirit and laugh uncontrollably. In response to this testimony, the Congress erupted in pandemonium. We're going to define that word later. Pandemonium with people laughing, growling, dancing, shaking, barking like dogs, and even being stuck in positions of paralysis. These experiences were attributed to the Holy Spirit. I mean... That's really dangerous. They were attributed to the Holy Spirit entering people's bodies. The pastor of the church, John Arnott, the same guy, hey, he he earned his stripes. He served Satan well. He gets to go, get on the plane, and go meet with Pope Francis and be one of the guys there that are officially making it official that we are yoking up with the Catholic Church. This has been a long time coming. He paid his dues. Membership has its privileges. The pastor of this church, John Arnett, referred to it as a big Holy Spirit party. 
the moniker Toronto Blessing was given and the church was soon in the international spotlight. When this blessing is held in light of scripture, however, it can scarcely be called such. Absolutely nowhere in scripture can one find a precedent for what is happening or what has happened at the Toronto Airport Church. Um, it, the, the near scripture comes to describing the paralysis of bizarre behavior prompted by the Toronto blessing are documented in effects of demonic possession. See Mark 9 verse 18. But see, this is what, this is fruit. Where, where did this, where did the inception of this happen? Azusa, Azusa Street. So see, some even distanced themselves from various leaders such as John Arnott of the Toronto Blessing and or John Wimber of Vineyard, another um, heretical, charismatic um, offshoot. Don't be fooled by all this. All they are doing is shifting the furniture around on the deck of the Titanic. They are still Pentecostals and still believe the same things as they always did and still practice the same errors, just some more than others. Okay? Because there is a conservative sect of Pentecostals. I mean, I think like that United Pentecostal ones that I went to, I mean, all the women were in like long dresses and, and real modestly dressed. Yet look at what they ended up doing there that day. I described it in the first part. I mean, it was very immodest. So, you got to be super careful, you know, what you're doing here. Now, I am, I'm out of time on this teaching. I don't like to stop in the middle of a part, but I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to stop here, part two, and we'll go to part three next. God bless you.